Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm your host, Ellen Parson, Editor-in-Chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with my friend and longtime colleague, Jim Lucy, to talk about the biggest projects to watch right now in the construction industry. Jim is the editor of Electrical Wholesaling, or we may call it EW during this conversation, Electrical Wholesaling, it's a sister publication to ECNM, as well as the editor of Electrical Marketing Newsletter. ECNM On Air is one of the many benefits available to our members only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. So before we jump into the the construction projects, I'm going to let Jim tell you a little bit about his background and experience and expertise in the electrical industry. Uh, Thanks, Ellen, and uh, thanks for having me today. It's a little different for maybe usually uh, on different interviews or podcasts. I I guess I'm the person asking the questions. It'll be interesting to hear behind the other side of the microphone, so to speak. Uh, yeah, like Ellen said, I've been with electrical wholesaling and electrical marketing for a while. I actually started with the publications about 40 years ago in uh, 1982, and I've really enjoyed my probably my favorite part of the job. Uh, I love getting out in the field, uh, talking with distributors, reps, manufacturers, and contractors about their businesses, new markets, and uh, big construction projects. It's always been one of my favorite things if I can get out on the construction sites. Um, actually, before I even uh, came to uh, electrical wholesaling, I had a a little bit of a background in the uh, construction industry. Uh, my dad was involved in the construction business in the New York metropolitan area. He was in the surety bonding business, providing insurance for large construction projects. So there was a lot of talk around the kitchen table if he was out on the job site when contractors were trying to get a bond for their jobs or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. It also meant when we were in our college years, my two brothers and I often got uh, jobs with contractors as part of their our summer jobs. So I had some interesting construction jobs. I uh, Worked one summer in an offshore drilling rig uh, off the coast of New Hampshire doing test boring and drilling for the uh, Seabrook Power Plant. Uh, I worked up in northern Maine. They were doing, again, at this one company was test boring and drilling, doing core samples. Uh, But also up in northern Maine, they were going to build a big dam up there, and they wanted a local place to get the gravel for the concrete. So we were doing sampling up there. Uh, A whole bunch of crazy things. I don't want, I'll I'll just ramble on if I get going too much on it. But I also worked on Another interesting project with another company. It was a, a kind of a mansion in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. And I was, I basically was the helper sweeping up the sawdust. I wasn't doing, they weren't letting me do anything too, too big. But the interesting thing about that project with the house in uh, Montclair uh, was that I really got a feel for the different stages of the construction project. You know, you had the sheet, right? When the plumbers came in, the electricians, sheet rockers, and all you got, and the masons, you really got a sense of how they had to work together, stay out of each other's way. But I always remember that they, they, when the electrical folks came in, they were like they, let, they were like the wizards of the job site, and they kind of <laughs> enjoyed kind of strutting around like they knew more than the other guy. They would you know, bust these <laughs> others' chops about how much they knew on the uh, on the job site. Um, I also when I went I went to Glassboro State College, it's now Rowan University, New Jersey. Got my journalism degree, but when I got was going for my master's, um, I worked at a vocational technical school in Metropolitan Philadelphia. And I did my thesis on what high school kids thought about vocational education. And there was a lot of construction jobs there. So I was always kind of involved with that. Uh, fast forward a couple of years when I got with electrical wholesaling, 
uh, and I, I got a chance to get out on some interesting jobs. I always it was always interesting to see how the uh, contractors worked with the distributors, how the you know distributors had to provide the supply, be there, get their stuff there on time. Uh, I remember going to a lighting job at the Baltimore Ravens uh, NFL Stadium. Uh, another time went on to a, it was actually a bank vault on Wall Street, and they were putting undercarpet cabling. And one of the ECM editors at the time, Joe Nisley, and I went in to see this bank vault and see all the, the cabling there. But it's always very interesting to see what distributors could do with some of these big jobs about how they would have to stage the different products so they would make sure the stuff got to the, got to the construction site when the contractor needed it. Not Definitely not too late, but not too early either because a lot of times they didn't have the room for it. You know, Sometimes they may have to package it up, say a big apartment project, and the distributors would say, okay, how many units is this? Is it the same package of electrical products going in? And they would say, okay, you'd have to ship it at a certain time. You know, say, okay, we're working on, you know, building five units, 10 through 20 today. And they would make sure the stuff was on time. Um, and the big, a lot of the downtown, big construction projects where the distributor fits in with the uh, ECM audience too, is a lot of times they have to get their trucks in and out of these cities before the rush hour. So they'll have to be sure they're in at seven o'clock in the morning. There was a company I did a story on not too long ago, Lone Star Electric Supply in Houston. And they would prepackage it by floor. They would have, okay, this floor of this right. office building, we were getting all the products. They didn't have to have all the lighting fixtures, all the trim, um, mm -hmm. all the other products. But uh, the one thing that I really always um, saw that there's distributors role and how, what contractors wanted uh, from the minute is, uh, and I did a story on a, a, a company of, uh, down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, more electric supply. And they did very large construction projects. And it was what my first, was actually one of my first stories where I really under got to, dig into the construction thing but he always said even though they provided the the switch gear the distribution stuff the panel the lighting fixture he goes you could do a great job for a contractor all the way through the project but if at the last minute then one of the last things that might go in might be the uh say the grills or the uh, different panels for the lighting fixtures those were too late or if they came in all ding then the contractor had to wait before they were finished that could kind of color the whole project and the contractor would see was having a having a bad experience with that so yeah, right. so there's a lot of different ways to look at these projects. And I just, over the years, have gotten interested in just kind of cataloging some of the big projects that go on around the country. I, I happen to just, for, just for, to keep it manageable, I do the 100 million and up ones. I try to keep a pretty good database on. I, I realize that there's so many big and great and profitable jobs for contractors at less than that. But I think right. with the big jobs, you can kind of get an idea of the trends on some of the types of construction areas, some, some of the regional areas that are going, uh, going well for the industry. Well, now that explains a lot about your love for construction. So that was, that's nice to hear that, how that all started out. Um, so now that we know a little bit more about Jim, let's go ahead and jump into the overview of some of these projects. Um, so first off, just to let all the listeners in on a little secret, Jim is definitely known in our buildings and construction group as the data master. He is an absolute guru with this stuff. He loves tracking construction data, as I'm sure you can tell by how passionate he is about talking about the, these projects. He loves tracking anything with the data, the construction numbers, the employment trends, building permits, anything. He's very skilled at pulling together the numbers and translating them into something that we can all understand. So we really appreciate that. So I'm really thankful for him joining us today, to kind of put all of these big projects into perspective. So he recently wrote this article for Electrical Wholesaling, and we are also running it in ECNM on these big money construction projects for 2023 specifically. So I'd like to just go over some of those project highlights. And so I'll let Jim, could you start with just an overview or synopsis of how you think we're starting the year, just, you know, overview wise uh, with some of these projects? Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall, uh, and the one thing as you look through any uh, types of economic forecasts, you, you realize that different economists, they're always good. If you get them down to percentages, it's very rare to have two that are exactly alike. You can have a pretty broad range. Um, there's a nice piece of uh, research that comes out uh, twice a year from the American Institute of Architects called the Consensus Construction Forecast. Nine, there's nine, nine economists on there. Uh, they all provide uh, their forecast for what they see in the market. Uh, for non-residential, the various types of construction, but it's pretty amazing the wide variety. And these folks are really well, very skilled in all this. So uh, the numbers, you know, sometimes it's more. Uh, I find it to be more valuable just to kind of get a general feel which way the market's going, rather than getting hung up on a, a specific number. Because everyone, they all have their own ways of uh, mm -hmm. calculating that. And um, what I, it, but basically, you know, this year I think it's going to be decent. I mean, there are. I'm hearing that there's some signs of slowdown, maybe at the uh, tail end of the year. I mean, as far as we've all heard about potential reports, recession or whatever, I'm actually pretty mm -hmm. optimistic on that. I mean, uh, from the recessions that I've seen on how they affect the electrical construction industry over the years, um, a lot of times that's a lot more sudden, the, the impact of it. This one, people have been kind of predicting it for about, it's kind of it's probably going on a year, 18 months now, and it right. hasn't fully happened. I mean, there's certain markets, certain segments, obviously there's a lot of cuts in tech jobs or certain parts of the country that maybe are a little below, a uh, little behind other areas, but I think we're going to end up pretty good. Uh, the one trick to any, uh, I find with any of the construction forecasts out there, because of the increase in product pricing, and I guess labor increase, I mean, any percent you see that you probably have to take about 50% out of that uh, because of the pricing of the product itself. So the real growth, uh, I'm, I'll say about around some, somewhere in the single digits for the construction industry as a whole. And that, that depends on what area you're looking at. Non-residential, a bit better than a residential, obviously single family way down most areas, multifamily a little bit better. But uh, mm -hmm. the whole market, I think it's going to come out better than a lot of people are saying, but it'll still be single digit real growth, I think, if I had to be, if I was pushed to put a number okay. on it. So let's go over some of the markets you believe are going to offer the most promise for 2023. So um, what markets were the hottest and why maybe go over that? And then was there, you know, certain activities concentrated in certain areas of the country? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, uh, some of the projects, I mean, I'll just run through the, I picked 10, 10 project types that I, I think are going to offer the most opportunity. Uh, okay. Some of them are kind of regional. They might not be uh, big in all areas, but some of them, they have some things within them that I think will be good. I just, but I, the projects okay. that I, I picked out, if, if that's okay, I'll just run through that, then we can yeah, maybe dig into great. specific. I mean, we've heard a lot about obviously semiconductor plants, so the chips that are going to be manufactured. These projects are going to take a long time uh, to actually be, come to fruition, but they'll be pretty huge uh, when they do come. I mean, there's projects in Ohio, there's projects in uh, down in the Arizona, in the Phoenix area. Uh, offshore wind farms are going to be huge off the New York coast. I realize it's not going to be uh, big in other areas as well. Eventually in California, they, they uh, come up with the uh, leases for their big uh, microgrids, kind of a future view, but I think it's going to be a fascinating thing. And I know ECM's done a lot on microgrids, but definitely a market to watch. I think that's going to have some real interesting opportunities for uh, contractors. Uh, there's going to be some residential uh, construction in some fast growing metropolitan areas, uh, may, maybe not as much this year as maybe next year, but they did, I mean, there was a huge project that will be profiled in ECM 
in uh, Phoenix, the Turvalis uh, uh, residential development. It's going to be 100,000 single-family homes over the next couple of years being built by the Howard Hughes Corporation. The west side of the uh, desert, they call the Valley of the Sun there, not too far where the Super Bowl was held. Just, uh, But the, the one, uh, one market, one area that I think is kind of throughout the country, not as regional as some, are uh, urban mixed-use projects. Uh, we happen to highlight the uh, Nashville Yards project in uh, Nashville, but that's a, that's a type of construction that I think is kind of going on. A lot of downtown revitalization yeah. projects really throughout the nation. I, and I think that's of all the project types, I think that's the one that may have the broadest uh, coverage, the broadest appeal, perhaps. Uh, okay. We talked about right. uh, you know mass transit. Uh, the project we happened to highlight was a subway extension in New York. But anything with the light rail or uh, freight, freight in general. But uh, this particular project happened to be in uh, public transportation. But I think uh, rails are going to be big. Uh, airport terminals, um, I think all over the country, really. Uh, it's kind of funny that over the past month, I've been doing a little bit traveling and I was thinking I've been in and out of six airport terminals since, since January 1st. And how many of them are brand new? I mean, I was in Newark oh, just yeah. opened up. Newark has a brand beautiful, brand new terminal opened up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, mm -hmm. We're based out of Kansas City. Beautiful term that's going to open up, uh, that will be opening up in uh, just a couple of weeks. But the LaGuardia Airport, uh, you know, Phoenix is always doing something. Uh, Salt Lake City just finished a billion-dollar project. Uh, so there's quite a few uh, big big ones, I think. So I think airport terminals continue to be hot. I mean, there's always seems to be something on the board in some stage of it. So that's a, that's a big area. Uh, port expansion uh, is, a, is a big one. I mean, along the uh, coast, there's a lot of money. The federal dollars flowing in from the infrastructure bill. I think we'll be getting into that in a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Electric vehicle battery plants are in, in certain areas just going to be huge. I mean, tens of billions of dollars into right. uh, EV, bat EV uh, battery plants, as well as the uh, construction of the plants themselves, going to have a broad impact, both uh, positive and negative. And they, electric vehicles don't take as many other types of uh, parts as a uh, when you think of an, uh, a combustion engine, when you think of all the parts in the engine, whether it's the air filter, the uh, Gosh, all, all the the carburetor, different things that are built. Mm -hmm. All the other industry that feed, the feeder industries, as they call them, some of those aren't going to be needed in electric vehicle. But there'll be a lot of new plants. So I think that's going to have a far-reaching impact uh, in in certain areas there. And um, for those contractors, the electric grid expansion and hardening, uh, there's I think that's going to be be a big one. You know, you see some specialists like a Quanta is just going gangbusters right. on a lot of that. So I think that'll be. Uh, but those are the ten markets, the broad broadly speaking, that I think are going to provide the biggest opportunities going forward. Awesome. So everyone, look out for that article coming up for more details on those specific products projects, those 10 projects that Jim has picked out to highlight. So let's move into, you've, Jim's written a lot and done podcasts and different things on this concept of metropolitan statistical areas or MSAs. So Jim, could you kind of explain what those are and how those, how those stats are looking, first of all, and then how that maybe could be an indicator for uh, the overall construction market and trends? Yeah, you betcha. Uh, yeah, and, and, and a metropolitan statistical area or MSA is the acronym. It's basically a uh, broader geographic area for a certain city. Like if it might be, say, uh, in Kansas City, it would happen to be both both sides of the state line, ma many different mm -hmm. counties. It's not necessarily just the downtown area. Look at Atlanta. I mean, I think there's like 15 counties in the Atlanta um, MSA. So, but the government. Uh, collects a lot of their free statistical data uh, where you can get employment trends by that. You can get uh, building permits also. Department of Census is uh, census.gov. If you're looking for some specific numbers, uh, we ECM publishes a lot of them for sure on uh, if you're looking at local building permits also, and that is a census. If you're looking at employment, that's bls.gov. But 
the uh, one number to think about um, if you look if you want to get monthly numbers at, on an MSA level, uh, they don't break out contractors down electrical contractors at the uh, MSA level. But what you can do, um, you can get you can I've found and this goes it the contract employment is 13% of total construction employment. I've looked back 20 years and it is a very, wow, okay. a very good average on that from dealing with the government statistics. Uh, mm -hmm. You can get metropolitan data on that. If you're looking down at the county level, if you want to drill down to see, you know, a specific trend there, you can get that um, twi twice a year. They come out with the uh, the county numbers. So, so yeah, we do a lot. I mean, on the distributor side, we do a lot of where they can estimate the sales per contractor employee. We come up with some numbers in that. So then the distributor can estimate, well, how much the potential of a specific market area they can look at and say, hey, maybe we need to put a new branch in there. Or they can set mm -hmm. the different uh, uh, compensation pools for the employees and say, hey, you know, the suburban, you know, suburban Chicago was, should account for X amount. What percent of that should, do we think we can get? So now you can do it. You can play around with that. Like I say, on a contractor level, sometimes it's just a matter of benchmarking. Okay, my, my company is doing X amount of business in this certain MSA. Uh, mm -hmm. They're showing growth. It's the growth is saying that the contractor employment or industrial employment is up or down, whatever percent. So you can kind of, I think contractors or uh, industrial maintenance uh, folks, if they're kind of trying to get a sense of where the biggest markets are, they can kind of use these numbers to benchmark the general direction uh, of the market. You can also, if you want to, and I don't do as much of this, there's a, a million <laughs> end user markets. There's another acronym called a NAICS code. And I won't get into too much of that. It's a bit wonky, but it's basically mm -hmm. the very specific areas outside of the electrical contractor business. If you want to get into, we mentioned auto, there's many different types of uh, auto companies. You can look at employment trends in that at an MSA uh, level as well. You, you can get monthly data on the electrical contractor or industrial on a national level, if, if you're looking for that sort of thing. And again, that's all available at bls.gov. Uh, okay, great. And we'll continue to watch for your articles on this because you're the expert on this and, and can put it into uh, easy terms to understand. So we appreciate that. Um, turning to, you know, some of these high pro profile projects you, you talked about, um, obviously, I don't know if they're stemming from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act funding or they're definitely in those related areas like EVs and electric grid updates. Um, mm -hmm. So do you expect more growth in those areas? And that would mm -hmm. be across the board, all across the country, or mm -hmm. is that going to be focused in certain areas? Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of that funding that is definitely going to flow into uh, many of these areas. Uh, there's several different programs, really. You know, we mentioned the uh, semiconductor plants. There's the uh, CHIPS Act, and that's basically right. uh, federal funding for if these if uh, chips manufacturers, if they build plants in the U.S. to, to bring the uh, manufacturing back to the United States to kind of shorten up the supply chains, specific money going into that. A lot of money in the Infrastructure Act. I mentioned the uh, ports. Uh, there's some specific to airports. Uh, there's a lot, a ton of money going into uh, very sp going to solar for sure, electric vehicle plants. And um, a lot of it, the kind of the trick with it, it's going to take a while for this money to get into the market. And a lot of it is given to the states. The states then determine uh, how we're, how they're going to fund specific projects. So a, a contractor, okay. if you're looking at or uh, to see oh, what, what kind of projects could be funded, uh, you know, get with your local, uh, you can do it on your own. Obviously, if you have a lot of good government, uh, local contacts with a municipality, a state government, a county government, if you're doing work for them already, they may uh -huh. be starting to see some of that money come in, their funding, and the bids might be starting to go out. So if you're doing any of that, you can also certainly check with your local distributor if you have a chance, to, if, you know, if, if, you, if they happen to be, you know, bring some of their manufacturing to the job site. Uh, there's a lot of money going in. 
Uh, it was interesting back in October, I had a chance to spend a couple of days at an, a Schneider Electric event, and they kind of went, went over broadly speak. I mean, Schneider, obviously, they you know, make everything from circuit breakers right. to huge switch gear. And it's like Christmas morning for them, the, the amount of right. money that's going to be flowing into their markets eventually. It's going to take a while to kind of wind its way through, but they are very excited about this. I mean, this, this is a big, big deal uh, right. for, for yeah. them, for sure. And it's uh, you know, really across the, the types of projects that we mentioned there. It's going to flow throughout all of them. Uh, there's going to be, as I mentioned, uh, it, it's a big deal. It's just going to take a while to get through. And it, it, it's an, it just a kind of another secondary step, the fact that it, it has to go through the states first, and then the money will be released to be put into these different projects. Yeah. Right. It's definitely a good pro problem to have, though. I mean, this mm -hmm. is all coming, obviously. So, mm -hmm. so it's a good day to be in the electrical industry, like you said. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I honestly, when you think of the, the construction, I have no idea where they're going to get the people to, for all these new plants, like just the semiconductor and electric vehicle plants alone. Uh, mm -hmm. The amount of people that they say they're going to need for employment is just crazy. I mean, there happens to be a Panasonic battery plant that's going to be built in the Kansas City area. They say they're going to need three or 4,000 workers there. I mean, right. I just, I can't quite figure it out. I mean, it's going to be a giant thing. It's, it's going to be in a built in a fairly rural area of Kansas City. But when you think mm -hmm. of the additional things that are going to be needed, the roads that are going to have to be built, not just the plants itself, there's a lot of electrical work that goes into, you know, the highway lighting along there, mm -hmm. the, the substations that are going to be bringing the electric in, aside from any of the internal construction work. So just a giant thing. I, I know it's a big issue uh, for uh, contractors to find and keep, you know, employees for some of the different work that's going to be going on. But it's going to be a a national push in a lot of different areas that I think it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how it all, uh, how, how we, uh, how, how they get the employees for it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I just talked with some black and beach executives uh, last month about the grid updates and how, what they're expecting. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. It's so overwhelming, like all of the things that need to occur mm -hmm. in order for all these things to happen. Like you said, like it, it, it's kind of overwhelming, but it will definitely be exciting to watch and it's it's very optimistic and hopeful of what's to come for our market. So those are all good things. Contractors, such a, such a great spot to be right now when you think of that. And we didn't even get into the electric vehicle charging stations, both locally, if someone wants one for their garage, or mm -hmm. also for the national charging grid, some of these, the public highways that, you know, there's going to be putting money into and certainly all the different uh, private buildings are better going to need chargers. I mean, it just, uh, it kind of blows your mind how much is going to be going into that uh, on the distributor side. I mean, they all, they're, a lot of them are carrying already many of the vendors, all the different uh, switch gear manufacturers, distribution company, all make it a company like Leviton, obviously another big player. And there's a lot of companies that are um, outside the sort of the traditional electrical construction market also providing things. So it's going to be a, a bit of a shakeout there, but it's going to be a, it's going to be fascinating to see how these things get up to speed because they're definitely not there yet. Uh, there's a great, um, it's funny, there's a, a guy that I met when I was at, uh, at a manufacturer event, uh, got by him, Kyle Connor, and he basically, his he's got a, a, a webinar channel, but he test drives electric vehicles on uh, nation going cross country. Like he tries to break the record for taking electric oh. vehicle from like California to New York. And he had, so he has to really test the different, the charging okay. network to see how, you know, how long is it to charge and all. And um, it's called off out of spec motoring, out of, out of spec motoring, I think his name. But anyways, he has all, okay. he posts all these videos on uh, how the state of the charging network nationwide, just one little thing he mentioned just before the uh, the Christmas holidays, he's based in Colorado, and he went out to some of the charging stations there uh, in sub-zero weather, and he was shocked at how many of them weren't working when it was like below zero, okay. and, he, and he was you know, trying to charge different things, 
apparently right now the Tesla supercharger, the gold standard, their chargers were great in almost all instances. Some of the other ones that you see a lot about, not so much now. So there's going to oh. be a lot of up, even what's in now has to be already has to be upgraded. Wow. So when you take that and think about what a contractor could be doing on this, it's a very interesting, but yeah, out of spec motoring, Kyle Connor, it's a great listen, great podcast. I'd like to get him on one of our wholesaling podcasts. He's a very entertaining fellow and has been in it. He has driven every sort of EV that you can think of, but he's getting more into the uh, evaluating the charging networks as well. And uh, yeah, it might be, a, might be a good topic for. That's future. really interesting. Definitely. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving into, you talked about material prices a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things on our electrical contractor survey that we do every year, the top 50, they always indicate it's just, it's come up the last several years that delays with material delivery and logistics were obviously the most pressing issue that they were facing in order to finish jobs on time and on budget. Uh, so how do you kind of talk about that a little bit already? How do you think that's going to come into play on some of these major you know, mega projects, because, you know, you're going to have a lack of the qualified skilled labor. You already mentioned that. How are they going to get all these workers to work on these, all of these jobs. So that's an issue. And then how do you, do you see those changing at all this year? Is that going to, is that also going to be something that just has to develop over time? Like it's obviously not going to be an easy fix. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a major challenge for sure. Um, and I think it's going to get better in 2023. I, I think some of these supply chain, it'll, it's a, it's a product area by product area issue. I mean, certainly switch gear, a, a huge problem still to these days. Uh -huh. And you hear all kinds of, uh, you know, I was, we do a survey, a quarterly survey with an investment company. And one of the uh, anecdotal comments for, from end user was we, we get the, when they say, well, do, how long is the delivery? They, they quote it in months rather than days or weeks like they used to. Right. So I think like a switch gear is still going to be a big issue for uh, contractors there. Some of the other things, maybe not so much. Uh, you know, there's always, certainly we've all heard about the uh, delays in the uh, chips that might go into a, a, a lighting control, into an LED itself, anything to do mm -hmm. with that. I think they'll start to loosen up this year. I do think it's going to get better, but it's still very definitely an issue. I was talking with the owner of a large uh, meter socket manufacturer lately for utility meter sockets, and they are one of the biggest players in this. And they have just had a heck of a time over the past years, kind of keeping up with demand, getting enough enough steel for what they need for them. So mm -hmm. uh, it's something as small as that. But boy, if you don't have, I mean, you can't get a project online if you don't have the meter socket, the utility to get the utility connections on that. So I think it's gotten better. Uh, I was talking okay. with another company that does a lot of connect terminal uh, connectors and, and fittings and all. Uh, seem, and, and they seem to be okay on zinc, uh, aluminum okay. So I think they're starting to see they're just kind of, uh, they're getting ready to release a whole number of new products in the uh, second quarter of uh, 2023. So they think they're kind of over that initial problem and they seem to have enough to uh, go. So I, I think it'll okay. loosen up some, to be honest with you, but it, it's but the issues with the deliveries are certainly uh, worse than anything I've seen since I've been covering in the industry over the past couple of decades. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. And I, I did want to get that perspective from your expertise in electrical wholesaling. You know, just on the contractor survey, we interviewed, you know, several people and, you know, one, one cocker said, you know, this is the worst I've seen it in 40 years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, the quotes change by the next day yeah. of what they're telling me. And then another mm -hmm. one says, you know, it's just very common for a generator, let's say to be mm -hmm. 40 weeks. Yeah, or, you know, and so that's just kind of crazy. So hopefully that will start to, you know, get better. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's funny. They've always, I mean, there's, there's always been certain products that where you mentioned about the quotes changing day to day. Certainly, I think copper related on that with wire and cable. It's always copper has always been kind of a wiggy type of product there where the products yeah. are just all over the quotes all over. But it had that type of, hey, check tomorrow to see what the quote might be different has definitely spread out to some other products as well. Um, I, I don't know that the, and I haven't heard that the uh, shortages in basic uh, building wire, power and wire and cable have as, been as bad as in uh, some of the other more distribution area, uh, di distribution equipment type of things, or the uh, uh, LED uh, chip-based types of products. But um, I do think it's going to loosen up. I think also the pricing. Uh, we one of the things that I monitor pretty closely. We do something called the electrical price index. We look at mm -hmm. about 20 uh, electrical products, and we have a company, uh, S&P Global, standard the old standard Poor's, uh, mm -hmm. gives us an idea of where these products are going uh, month to month. And there's been, I mean, oh, the year, excuse me, month to month and year over year. And some of the increases, again, I've never seen anything that big. It used to be a monthly increase for a product. You'd see it less, you know, 0.25%. You're seeing there have been things, you know, a couple of percentage points on a product. Building wire and cable uh, could be a change. And some of these products in all areas, they could be a change year over year, 20, 30%. So there's been wow. some massive changes. I, I, I can I can definitely feel contractors pain when they, uh, talk about the increases there. I mean, I know they can pass along a lot of these uh, price increases, and I think they are going to work their way out. There's a lot of reasons for it. Obviously, with the uh, pandemic and all, there was a messed up the supply chain and where people could get it. So I think there were some scarcities in a variety of products, and I think it's this will be the year where we start seeing it smooth out a bit. That's awesome. Um, now, you mentioned that index. Is that something in electrical marketing? I think some of our listeners might be interested in that. Yeah, yeah, no, we do. And it's interesting. I do have, it, it's a monthly uh, for electrical marketing. Uh, it's a newsletter that we do a lot of local data that we've talked about the projects, but the price index is something that we, and we do have a number of contractor subscribers. It's, it's just $99 a year uh, for the index. And if they want to look back, uh, going back to the night, historical data is updated every, every two weeks, excuse me, every, uh, once a month. So uh, yeah, a nice little tool, and it, it definitely uh, the distributors are all looking at it for sure, manufacturers as well. But uh, we've been getting contractors who've taken some interest in it as well. Definitely, I just wanted to mention that in case people don't know about that, it's something you know that would be really useful for them if they want to check that out. I did when I was talking to the Black and Beach folks, they also mentioned you know one caveat was the the Buy American. Um, I'm not sure what it's called. It's just they're saying that certain amounts of those products are going to have to be American for this infrastructure funding. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to add another, you know, area, another complexity, I guess, to this overall puzzle of being able to get the, the products. Yeah. And I, I think um, it, it's interesting too, because I know there's something with the, with the buy American, as I understand, I think, is it whether the things are assembled in the U S or if they actually manufacture, I think there's some different other caveats where they actually, uh, if the product is, if it's made overseas but assembled okay. in the U.S., is that? It, I think that's okay. You that know, like a lot of U.S. Too. industry. Otherwise, we're not going to. Yeah. Maybe a while before. They yeah, I mean, it. these. I was any these large plants. I mean, just take for, you know, take forever to to build. Obviously, and and, and some of the and I don't. It, it's uh. I'd be honest. I the area too. I don't quite understand how they're going to do some of this because there's some very large electrical companies like say Eaton, but it's the most mm -hmm. American of companies, but technically it's headquartered in Ireland. So does that, how does that affect? I mean, I know they have a lot of U.S. manufacturing, uh, oh. they, but their internet, their international headquarters is there, yet they're basically based in the uh, Cleveland areas. I understand it. Uh, so that's going to be 
uh, interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, like I say, in certain types of government projects, you know, the, the, the Buy American mm -hmm. uh, demand or not demand, but regulation on that is going right. to be another thing on, on top of all the other uh, right. It'll just be something else we need to cover and watch. So there's going to be a lot of different topics that we need to stay on top of. So we'll, I'm su sure, do follow-up podcasts and, and different things in order to keep everybody informed. Yeah. Um, and so kind of in closing, you know, to keep this fairly short so that it's a manageable, uh, you know, amount of time to listen to, I wanted to kind of end with, um, you know, we were talking about the Infrastructure Act. So they put out a lot of big goals and numbers and things, you know, that's typical probably of the government. This is going to happen by this year and this is all going to happen. We're going to have this percentage of this. Um, some of the big numbers they put out, they want, you know, 100% clean energy by 2035. That's one. Uh, net zero emissions by 2050. Um, I, I think I saw the number about the EV charging stations was 500,000 nationwide is what the standard is supposed to be that we're supposed to get to, um, which is a huge thing. Like you were saying, it's a huge, basically nothing to, you know, 500,000. How's that all going to work? You know, there's a lot of different issues. Um, what's going to be needed from the grid updates in order to make those charging stations be able to, you know, provide the power to get to these, you know, the vehicles. Um, so do you have any just overall thoughts on those kinds of projections and maybe how do we really get there? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the further out some of the projections get, I think I, I have a hard time wrap my mind about how realistic because things change on the way there. I mean, as yeah. we say, just with, you know, if you just take, let's take a look at electric vehicles alone. I mean, you have. I it's all going to happen. I I, mean, I guess what was the movie? They say follow the money. But if you look at the amount the large car companies are investing in electric vehicles and how they're going to mm -hmm. translate their fleets even by 2030, which isn't all that far away, right. it, it is all going to happen really. But when I look further out, like with the 20, you know, by say 2050 mission, I think people are all along these uh, areas. It's hard to get there. It's going to be kind of a I think a slower transition than many, maybe even a frustrating transition. And if you look at the business, that's you look at things, what what things happen in, almost incredibly fast and what things took a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, looking back, you think of how quickly the lighting industry was changed by LEDs. I mean, it, right. it seemed like it happened. I mean, I remember the day when the only LEDs you had in lighting were that were in exit signs and the fact that they were either mm -hmm. they were red and there were certain other signs that were green but then when they when they really got to the point of being able to produce a dependable white light where you could really change all office it revolutionized the entire industry there's you know large players I and mean, when you think what happened with a company like a g of phillips of sylvania mm -hmm. it changed within 10 years maybe even that is less. such a good point yes. yeah that was it was a massive change that happened kind of quickly i don't think that's going to happen in the same time frame with some of the electric vehicles because it's really mm -hmm. You take a step back and I'm looking out my office window with these parking lots and I'm thinking, okay, there, no sign of these, these uh, charging stations. Right. Going, and yet every car out there, if it goes there, you know, they're going to, they would have to have that. You know, the other thing too, uh, you know, in one of the infrastructure bills, which I think is starting to maybe, and I don't want to be just because I happen to see it in my own backyard, too local, but you think of the uh, high-speed internet, that there's some money yeah. going in to bring uh, high-speed internet to different types of neighborhoods or whatever. That is maybe, that is, is going to happen. But again, it just takes for a while. So I'm kind of looking for the thing that really looking at any of these different types of things, like the net zero emission, that's, that's going to be a big deal to kind of get out. And uh, I mean, you look at the, mm -hmm. the uh, challenges that even lead building certification have had because of the additional expense that a lead certification will have. It's been challenging for some of these, uh, for them to get more comp more buildings uh, lead certified, for instance, because, you know, so I think that, so the net zero emissions will be a big deal. I mean, you, gosh, you look at even uh, in, companies in the publicly held in the uh, on wall street the esg that whether company 
is evaluated on their uh, energy efficiency, on their so social responsibility and all. It just takes a while for some of these big, big idea things. They really uh, come down to the down to the local market. But I, I do think it's going to, you know, certainly I, I think, you know, get, get, again, getting back to charging stations, because that is something I think it's going to be kind of nationwide, although there's certainly pockets of it on the coast. It's already quite big. I mean, you hear stories mm -hmm. in California, how big that all is and, you know, in markets where they're really trying to cut back on their energy. Uh, even more. Uh, but I think that that is going to, it's just going to, that'll probably, we'll start to see some over the next uh, year or two. If we were doing this podcast again in two years, I think we'd be maybe uh, impressed with some of the progress. But when you think about a goal like uh, 500,000 EV charging stations, mm -hmm. uh, that's a big deal. I saw, I'm a right. little hesitant to get my, you know, to get too concerned about some of these big ideas out to 250, even out to 235. There's a lot right. of things that can happen in the market. A lot of things can happen politically in Washington with different administrations, mm -hmm. whether they're going to uh, keep exactly. some of these regulations in place or repeal them. You, you just don't really know what mm -hmm. can happen as we get from here to there. Yeah. It's definitely something we need to keep watching. I know the Black and Beach uh, experts that we, I was talking to uh, mm -hmm. last month, they, they mentioned they had done a survey of the utilities. Obviously, that's who they were mm -hmm. um, surveying. Uh, but I believe it was something like 70% of them on this one question said that they were not prepared to the load requirements that were going to be needed for these charging stations. Should they mm -hmm. all go operational? Like right now, they were not ready for that. They, yeah. it just wasn't, they had to do updates and there's going to be a lot of things that have to happen from that end as well to even make it possible to get that, you know, power from, from the utility. Oh yeah, I I was uh, sitting at a roundtable a couple of weeks ago with with a couple of guys from uh, California, and one was happened to be from San Diego. But he was saying even in that market there, and they, they are having a lot of more uh, local you know charging stations, residential charging stations. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of you know people if they're going to be charging at night, there's different ways to power a company when the electricity is most expensive. So if you happen right. to be charging your car when the electricity is the most expensive, it, it could you know there's different ways about is how efficient that can be or you know when how much it might cost and there and then mm -hmm. they get into the when, when it's taxing the grid they're unfortunately have a lot of issues with brownouts and things and i'm sure the black and beach talked about that mm -hmm. if they're putting a lot of these on where they can uh have the load manage that load with them so yeah there's a lot of challenges that go a little further down the pipeline than a lot of maybe our um listeners and readers might be looking at and certainly a company like black and beach has a <laughs> the best feel for what it's going to mean to the overall grid well, definitely, it's going to be interesting and exciting, though. So it, it is optimistic. You know, there are some challenges, but I'm looking forward to seeing how this all goes. And and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again, Jim, because you will be on top of all this data of what's going on. So um, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. And it looks like we're about out of time. So thank you, Jim, for sharing your insight, industry knowledge, and experiences with us today on the state of the electrical construction market. And in closing, I'd also like to thank Senior Associate Editor Ellie Coggins and Associate Editor Michael Morris for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers and listeners. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics that you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other great content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.